0: Welcome to today's podcast. Today's message is titled, God Help, Help My Unbelief. And it challenges us to examine the difference between having a statement of faith and walking by faith. We'll be diving into the biblical story of a father who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus, struggling with doubt and uncertainty. Pastor Rick will take us through the journey of the father's faith and how it can be applied in our own lives. Join us as we explore the meaning of faith and belief in today's world. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. If you're joining us online, thank you for choosing to worship at the road. Grab a Bible, a phone, something you can read God's Word from. We're going to be in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 this morning. We're in a series entitled, God Help. And we've been looking at those moments in life we call mayday moments. Those moments when we get to the end of ourselves, and we find out that we don't have a solution and we look at God and we simply pray, God Help. And uh, we learn, maybe the most important lesson so far is this. When we were created by God, we were created to need his help. He designed us that way. When God looked at the man, he said, it is not good for him to be alone. I will make a helpmate for him. Man was created to need help. And ultimately, what God wants us to do is look at him and say, help me. Help me in this life. Help me in my marriage. Help me as a parent. God, help me. And God has made us in such a way that when we want to grow, we need to exercise what he's given us. For instance, if you, if you want to gain intellect, it just doesn't naturally happen. You got to work at it. You apply yourself. You exercise your intellectual ability. If you want to improve your talent, you have to exercise that talent. If you want to gain strength, you have to exercise in order to gain. And the opposite's also true. The less we ask of ourselves, the less we'll have. They have looked at elite athletes, right? Elite runners, strength individuals, and they have found that in as as quickly as two weeks, if an elite athlete stops training, they'll go into atrophy. They'll start losing everything they've gained. And this is the crazy thing that they found, is that the more you have, the quicker you lose it. That should scare us when it comes to things spiritual. Is it possible to grow and gain faith? Is it possible to lose faith? If you've been in the Bible reading plan and you're doing so well and you, and you miss a couple of weeks, can you actually go backward from where you were? We're going to look at the story of a man uh, who looked at his life and, and he said, I have faith. I need more. Take your Bibles in Mark chapter 9. We're going to begin. I forgot my good glasses. I'm having to use my Walmart ones this morning. We'll see how this works. Oh, wait, they're good. <laughs> they're good. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 17. I got to get there. Turn from the last service. Mark 9, verse 17. Here we go. And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, falling to the ground, he'd been rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And the father said, A long time. From his childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. And if you can do anything. And I need you to get this. His father's looking at Jesus. And he's saying. If you can. If you can. Do anything. Please take pity on us and help us. And Jesus looked back at the father and said. If you can. If I can, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. And when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for our time together, for the great worship, the fellowship. Uh, Father, as we open your word, we did not come to be entertained. Father, we came to to be fed spiritually. Uh, We want something. We don't want to keep living the same life we've been living. We want to grow in our relationship with you. So, Father, we ask that you make that happen today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start by asking this question. Do you have a faith statement or do you walk by faith? And and what's the difference in the two? Because I I really believe that a lot of people who, who attend church have a statement of their faith, but they've never really walked by faith. Okay, so let's talk about what is different in those two statements. Well, a statement of faith is an intellectual belief in the things of God. The simple way I know to describe this to you, a statement of faith means you know the answer to the questions. You say, what questions, pastor? Well, The questions that church always asks. Do you believe God is real? Okay, let's try that again. We're just answering the question, right? You're not committing anything. You don't have to tithe or anything, right? <laughs> Do you believe God is real? Yes. yes. That's an intellectual belief. And it's a statement of your faith. We could take it a step further. Do you believe Jesus died for your sins? See, now most people will tell you if you believe those things are true, you're a Christian. But the Bible doesn't necessarily say that. The Bible would go so far as to tell you the demons believe those things to be true. That they have a statement of faith. I believe God is real. I believe Jesus is real. I believe he died on the cross. here's, Here's where the statement of faith ends. It never makes a difference in life. Yes, I believe God is real, but he hasn't ever made a difference in my life. Yes, I believe Jesus died for me, but it doesn't make a difference in my life. Now we move into what it means to walk by faith. When we walk by faith, our life is altered by the things of God. I love the word altered. Who we are is different because of the things of God. And what I believe about Jesus has changed the way I live my life. I don't live like I used to live. What I believe about Jesus has changed my relationships. What I believe about Jesus has changed every decision I make. My life has been altered by the things of God. So real quick, self-analysis question here. What could you look at your life today, right now, and go, this is changed and is different because of what I believe about Jesus? And when you answer that question, it will become clear whether you have a statement of faith or whether you walk by faith. Just so you know, because that's where we got to start, right? We've got to know where we are. What about my life has changed? Is my marriage different because of what I believe about Jesus? Is my parenting different? Is my morals different because of what I believe about Jesus? How I spend my money different because of what I believe about Jesus? And we discover, am I living with a statement of my faith or am I walking by faith. The second thing, and this is where the message really starts to take a turn, this is a, an incredibly interesting message uh, for where we find ourselves living. Belief and unbelief are roommates in the same life. That's going to unsettle a few, but just wait till you hear the rest of the, the message. No matter how long you've walked with God, um, belief and unbelief are both part of your life because of your humanity. They always will be until you get to heaven. So a great illustration of this is in chapters 32 through 35 of Genesis. We've been reading this in our Bible reading plan. If you've been following along with this about Jacob. And Jacob had all these incredible promises of God, right? I'm going to make you a wealthy man. I'm going to give you a lot of kids. You're going to be a father of the faith. All these incredible promises of God that should have made life pretty easy to live. But he had another set of promises, right? He didn't have just one promise. He had a second promise. He had a brother named Esau that made him a promise. When daddy dies, because of how you treated me, I will hunt you down and kill you. So he lived with two promises, one of faith and one of doubt. And so life was good as long as Jacob lived a long ways away from Esau. But the day came when God said, go home. And it wasn't an easy trip to make because all of a sudden, all Jacob could think about was the promise Esau made. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And so what's he do? He does what every brave man does. He put the women and children in front of him. (laughs) Right? What a wonderful guy. You guys go on. I'll be back here at the back. And he sends them ahead of him because, listen, he's living with doubt. Did he believe in God? Sure he did. But doubt and belief are resident in the same life. So let's talk for just a moment about faith so we can understand this. The Bible tells us that faith is the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And this is where this all gets confusing. Because when we talk about salvation, we sang about it today, how great a thing this is to be loved by God when we didn't deserve his love. That something that is that big and that good and that wonderful cannot be free. Nothing in this life is free. Right? Crazy story. It just dawned on me. I got a free toolbox last night. Somebody put it out on the road and one of our church people called and said, do you know anybody who needs this toolbox? And I said, I do. It's me. I said, give me five minutes, I'm flying over there. And I flew over there, and, and my wife and Kaylee are riding with me, and Kaylee's telling me, something's broke on it. Ain't nothing free good. Something's broke, wasn't nothing broke on it. It was great. Anyway, just showing you how people view, right, right, we have this thing in our head about it can't be free. It can't. And then our life teaches us that, right? That you, you got to be good to get good things. Wives love good husbands. Husbands love good wives. Parents love good kids. We tell our children things like, Santa won't come see you unless you're? And so we set ourselves up. What does God want from you? He wants to love you like you are. It can't be true. It can be true. It's not free. There's no such thing as a free gift. So let me see if I can illustrate this free gift to you. Suppose you went home and stuck in your mailbox was a check for a million dollars. Changes this day, doesn't it? right? It made out personally to you. All you have to do to be a millionaire is endorse that check. Now, there are going to be some people who look at that check and go, no such thing as a free gift. Tear it up. There's a hook. No such thing as a free gift. There are going to be other people who go, a million? Psh, go to the bank. Boom, you're a millionaire. Somebody comes along and says, how would you get to be a millionaire? Oh, I worked hard. Liar. (laughs) You didn't do anything to be a millionaire. All you did was endorse the check somebody gave you. Now I need you to see this. Salvation is the grace check that God put in everybody's mailbox. Everybody's mailbox. Watch me. People take that check and look at it and go, I don't want it. Too good to be true. There's a hook somewhere. Some will tear it out. Some will endorse it. But watch me, watch me get this. If you got a million dollars today, that's an incredibly big gift. Big enough to change the life you live. So is Jesus. And if you've received that gift, he changed the life you lived. If you endorse the faith, what does the scripture tell us? That faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You endorse that check, then Jesus changes your life. We need to understand that in this story, everyone on the scene was a doubter. They were just doubting in varying degrees. I love this. Follow closely on this. Um, So there's the father. The father is discouraged, heartbroken, disillusioned. He has a son who's demon-possessed. For whom there appears to be no hope. He's even been to church. He went to the disciples and said, let's pray for this boy. And nothing happened. Nothing. Well, not only do we have the father, we got the disciples who were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And it didn't work. It just didn't work. So, we got a father with a broken, disillusioned faith. And now we got disciples with a doubting faith going, I wonder if this stuff's for real. Because it didn't happen the way Jesus said it was going to happen. Then you got the scribes who were there. They're the critics, right? They're trying to undermine faith. And then you got the crowd, the people watching, who want so badly to believe, they just want to make sure it's real. Give me something. To believe well the critics we know this they would never believe the crowd wanted to believe the disciples had their belief shaken and the father more than anything needed to believe the crowd the disciples and even the father were dealing with their own doubt in varying degrees so in verse 24 the father shouts Lord I believe well what did he believe believe How much did he believe? How little did he believe? Was it enough to heal his son? How much is enough? That's kind of a vague statement. Lord, I believed. What was that foundation of faith that that man hoped to build on? He brought his boy to Jesus and and Jesus says, "How long has this been happening?" And, and, and for the sake of the story, it's been happening his whole life—too long. Some of you know what that feels like. You've been praying so long that you really don't believe God will ever answer that prayer. That was this man. I prayed, nothing's happened. Your disciples prayed, nothing's happened. I believe, but I barely believe. And then the father looks at Jesus and he says, if you can, his doubt has been revealed. The years of struggle and failure at the hands of the disciples and his faith is crippled. If you can do anything, maybe even, maybe even he's blaming Jesus. I don't even know if you can change this, Jesus. And Jesus turns this whole conversation around. I love this, right? This is fresh for me. Jesus looks at him and goes, if I can. How about if you could believe? You imply that nothing's happening because I don't have enough power. I'm implying nothing's happening because you don't have enough faith. Now, let's be careful right here. It's just, listen to this. It's just as absurd to say that Jesus doesn't have enough power as it is to say it's all dependent on how much faith you have. How much faith we have doesn't determine what God does. But Jesus turned it around. You blaming me? What about you? Where is. Your faith, And it wasn't so much that Jesus' power was limited by the man's faith as it was. This was a moment to grow the man's faith, to challenge it. So what did happen between verse 22, where the man says, I believe, and verse 25, where Jesus healed him? Did he have some miraculous faith moment? Did he grow a mountain of faith in the seconds, the seconds in that conversation between Jesus looking at him and going, Have you had more faith? Oh, I got it. It's that easy. I got it. No, nothing changed. Nothing changed except the man's heart. And he went from a faith that had been forsaken and broken and disappointed to a heart that took up faith. In that moment, he let go of weak faith and he said to Jesus, I can't do anymore. Help my unbelief. I've believed with everything in me and it's not enough. Help my unbelief. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you and why it matters. Anybody in here never flown? Never flown? Never been on an airplane? Everybody in the room has flown. Got one person, two people. Now, Holy Spirit's convicting now. (laughs) Revival may break out in a minute. My mama had never flown on a plane. 79 years old, she decides she wants to go on a mission trip to Kenya. There are flights shorter than from Oklahoma City to Kenya. And she didn't choose one. That was her first flight. Never flown. Anxiety goes with that flight. I've flown a few times. I don't fly a lot. Some of you guys fly uh, every week or multiple times a week. And, and and here's what I want you to see: If you're that person who's never flown and you got this super high anxiety, you don't have a lot of faith in that plane. Or you're the guy who flies multiple times a week and you got a lot of faith on your plane. And the plane. I need you to see this: Your faith does not affect the ability of that plane. It operates independently of whatever you're doing in life. If you're scared, the plane don't care. If you've got a lot of faith, the plane don't care, right? The plane operates independently of your faith. And yet your faith matters, right? So watch this. This is gold. It doesn't matter. First lesson. It doesn't matter if you get on the plane with a little bit of faith or a whole lot of faith. When it lands, you both at the same destination. If you ain't making the connection between that and salvation, let me help you. Some of you are waiting for the Paul on the, the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road experience to come to Jesus because you think it needs great faith. I'm telling you, you act on the faith God gave you, because you don't go anywhere if you ain't on the plane at all. Little faith, big faith. Same destination. Number two say, well, the amount of faith I have doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. It determines how much you enjoy the ride, <laughs> right? little bit of faith, get on the plane, and it's a white knuckle ride. A whole lot of faith, get on the plane, and it's a nap. <laughs> you with me? And if you haven't made that connection, the ride is your life, and it will get bumpy. And what determines how much anxiety and stress you go through life with determines how much faith you have. Your faith determines how much you enjoy the ride. Third thing, the ride can get bad enough that even great faith struggles. You let that plane tumble and turn and bounce three times when it hits a runway. Y'all heard that one, right? Three times, you're done, right? Boom, boom, don't go to the third one. And even great faith will start to struggle. This is the Father. Life had gotten so hard that it made it hard to believe. His confession, I have faith. I want more faith. Acknowledge two things. Get this. This is pure, great, great spiritual gold. Number one, his confession, I have faith. Acknowledge the gift of faith. His request, help my unbelief, acknowledge the growth of faith. Here's what he's saying. I am no longer content to have a ticket to heaven. I understand that if I'm going to survive this life, I got to have more faith than I have. The circumstances like what has happened with my son make this life hard. And right now, heaven's too far away, too far away. Help My unbelief. Next point, I'm going to move quick through this one. I started to take it out of the message completely because of time, but then I realized we need to be reminded of this sometimes. God is bigger. He is bigger. Um, Sometimes we, we get like the Father in this passage that what we have fought has gone on too long and been too hard. And we actually forget that God is bigger. Bigger than what? Bigger than my problem? Everybody's got a problem. Some problems are small and some are crushing. And I'm not sure how big your problem is today, but I am sure of one thing. God's bigger than it. And maybe you needed to hear that. That God is bigger than what you're facing. Do you know God's bigger than a demon? We don't talk about demons much. But there's one thing in this passage I think you need to be reminded of. And that is the demon wanted the man's kid. And the father realized. He's trying to end the life of my boy. He throws him in the fire. He throws him in the water. His goal is destruction. I need you to understand that demons are real. And they want your family. And I need you to remember that God is bigger. He is bigger. Number three, God is bigger than your doubt. The faith life is not an easy life. And when things move slowly or sometimes not at all, faith can become disillusioned and weak. And I want you to know that no matter how big your doubts, if you're hanging on by a thread today, You may not even be sure you got a ticket to heaven that God is bigger than your doubts. And last lesson, we're done. God loves us despite or in spite of our weaknesses. Um, Our weaknesses do not limit the power of God. Uh, In verse 23, where Jesus said, if you can... I'm not sure you're able to do anything, Jesus, but if you can... The question of life is never can God do something? Look at me. It's never can God do something, it's will God do something. Everything is possible for God to do, but God doesn't do everything. And we look at these situations in our life and we get confused about what God does and what God doesn't do. And if it's someone you love or circumstance in your life, if if there's brokenness there, and you've been praying and praying and praying. And you actually, the devil will whisper in your ear, he can't do anything. He can. He hasn't willed it. You say, well, pastor, that's tough. Let me give you a dose of reality out of this passage. Jesus comes to town. Stop. In this town, do you think the only family, the only daddy, the only mama who had an infirm kid was this daddy? You think the only kid who, who, who had a struggle was this kid? You don't think there were kids who were blind and deaf. You don't think there were kids who were crippled? You don't think there were kids with cerebral palsy? You don't think there were kids with all kinds of struggles? But Jesus only healed one of them. One in the whole town. Why? Why? I don't know because the reality for people who walk the faith life is there's some things we will not know until we get to heaven I don't know why God willed that that one boy was the guy and why tens or hundreds of other kids weren't I don't know but I know he could have he could have if he wanted to if he willed it and the last point Admitting our weakness and dependence on God is a step of faith. If you don't know what else to do today, you pray the prayer of this Father God, I believe. Help my unbelief. I don't know what else to do today, God. Look right up here at me. I don't know what else to do today, God. I believe. Truth is, God, what's happened in my life has made it hard to believe, but I still do. I'm hanging on by a thread. God, if I was honest, here's where, here's where my prayer is today, God. Help me. Help my unbelief. Would you pray with me? Maybe you're here today, and as we've worked our way through this message, you've discovered that... Uh, that you've got a strong statement of faith. You know how to answer the questions. But what you know the answers to has never really changed your life. And maybe the day you're ready to start walking by faith. Maybe the day you're ready to take that step. And Victor's here, Matthew's here, Elijah's here. We'd love to share with you how you can walk by faith today. Or maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I do. I, I know I have faith, but I'll be honest. What I've been through in my life has made my faith weak. I've struggled with it. And I, I, do. I need to pray that prayer, help my unbelief. Or I need somebody to pray it with me. Well, we're your church. Then if what you're facing is so big that it is damaging your faith with God, let your church walk with you. At least make sure we're aware so we can assault heaven with you. I don't know what God said to you today. I would tell you this. If he spoke to you at all, the greatest thing in the world is the opportunity to respond to what he said. Would you today? I know the crowd's big, place is full. But if God spoke to you, would you step out? Would you be obedient to him? Father, thank you for our time together for a story of a man whose life was like ours, Father. A man who wanted more of God, but life made it hard to wrap his mind around that. Father, there's some people here who need to see the hand of God today in their life. I pray they would. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.